Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner and you're listening to Pregnancy Parenting and Politics, the podcast where we connect the dots between those three topics and we talk about all the different factors that make or break our lives as parents, women, and people living on earth in the year 2021. Can you believe it? It's 2021. Happy New Year. I am feeling hopeful, if still a bit dreadful, considering we have two weeks to go until inauguration. We are riding this administration out with white knuckles, and there's still no telling what will happen next. Now, I don't know about all of you, but I am so ready for the chaos to stop. I am ready for recovery and healing and common sense, which, oh, you know what? I haven't mentioned this in a little while. That's the name of my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, and you can pick it up wherever you buy your books. Uh, Anyway, this is a big week in politics with Georgia's runoff election happening today and the certification of electorates tomorrow. The electorate part is probably a nothing event that will have no impact whatsoever on the presidential election, except for to add to the drama and chaos a bit. It's a formality. That's it. All the states have already certified their election results and the results are final. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be sworn in on January 20th, and Donald Trump will be finished with his presidency. The Georgia runoff, on the other hand, is a huge deal. If the two Democratic senatorial candidates, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, win against David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler, the Republican candidates, then the Democrats will control the Senate. That means Joe Biden will have an easier time getting policy passed through Congress. So if something comes up like paid maternity leave, um, there's a greater likelihood of that getting passed than if it was in the Republican Senate. Now, in the past four years, with Republicans in the majority, we've been at almost gridlock, unable to get anything done. If the Republican candidates win in Georgia today, then we'll most likely be facing the same gridlock during the Biden administration as we've seen in the Trump administration. It's a big deal, and we'll know the results soon. Now, what else is happening? Well, Meghan McCain, daughter of Senator John McCain and co-host on The View, she's back from maternity leave after having her daughter, and she's all fired up about paid family leave for every parent. Welcome back, Megan. Now, generally, paid family leave or maternity leave is considered more of a Democratic topic. But Megan McCain is a Republican, and having her on the side of changing this policy is pretty important. Truth is, is the U.S. is one of the only developed countries, I think there's one other, that doesn't provide mandatory paid maternity leave. Now, if women are lucky, they get some benefits from their employer, and in some states, disability insurance covers maternity leave, but in most states, women are guaranteed nothing in terms of paid leave. Now, sure, they're mandated to be able to take six to 12 weeks off work, but if you're not getting a paycheck, that's not a possibility for millions of families in America. So now that Megan McCain knows how hard it is for working mothers in America, she's making it a spotlight issue, and I'm hoping it'll help us make some headway. Now this week, I want to talk with a guest who has a lot to say about working mothers in America and what we can do to make it easier, especially for breastfeeding mothers. So let's take a real quick break and come right back to talk with this week's guest. All right, we're back. We're ready to talk with 
Jennifer Jordan, who is the director of Mom and Baby at Aeroflow Breast Pumps, where she is passionate about providing resources to women that help make their breastfeeding journey a positive and successful experience. Let's get Jennifer on the line. Hey, Jennifer, it's Jeannie. How are you? Hi, Jeannie. I'm well. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful, sunny, clear, cold day here in Portland, Oregon. Where are you? I am in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. Um, And we are actually, we're already at dusk here. Um, But it was, it was a beautiful crisp day here as well. I have family that lives in Asheville. I've never been there, but um, I was just talking to that family member the other day and it sounds like it's an idyllic place to live. Worth the trip. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, you and I have a lot to talk about today. So let's ask you the first hard question. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah. Um, well, my name is Jennifer Jordan. I am the one. I am a proud uh, wife and mother. Um, while also loving and being incredibly passionate about my work and career and and time and hopefully hopefully contributions outside of the home. Um, I am the director of Aeroflow Mom and Baby, Um, have been with this company since it began um, in 2012. Um, And we provide breastfeeding supply support and services to new and expectant mothers. I was a committed breastfeeding mother um, 13 years ago when I had my son, um, and it's something that I've been able to carry into a passion um, and a company that I am very proud of, of the work we do and the mothers we serve. So you work for Aeroflow, and you're a mom, and you're married, and what else do you do when you're not working? Asheville is gorgeous. You must be doing some hiking and Asheville is, it is a place for outdoor lovers. Um, I own a mountain bike, which I love to ride on pavement, um, love to hike and have two wonderful pups in my life. Um, and we do have nearby lakes as well. So we're an outdoorsy family, love to be outdoors and be active, um, in Asheville, you can do that pretty much year round. Yeah, that's a, that's similar to Portland. So you've got two dogs. Well, I wish that I could just talk about dogs on every podcast episode, but I think it'd be annoying. I love them. Dogs, all about it. My goodness. Great conversation starters. Love to show pictures. And sometimes I look at the role on my phone and I'm like, oh my goodness. It's only my dogs. My dogs are on here far more than my child. What am I doing? <laughs> Um, I know it's but terrible. I actually have one of my, uh, we, we got a COVID puppy. Um, uh-huh. we, we did get a dog at the beginning of COVID. And I think for our family, um, mental health, it has been such an incredible gift during this time. And this little dog sits by my side all day while I work. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, sh- he should be able to type at this point. Yeah. We got one too. We got a, a COVID puppy too. And, uh, She's adorable. Tiny little bit of a pup. But we really, we really don't get to talk about dogs for a whole episode. (laughs) I'm curious how you found your way into your career. Well, I 
I took a very um, curvy path into my career, as I think probably a lot of us do. I went to college and I got a fashion and interior merchandising degree um, because I loved fashion. I was going to move to the city and be a fashion designer and uh, work in that industry. I I luckily picked up a business degree at the same time because I was like, okay, live in a small town may not, you know, may not have all of these opportunities. Um, And through the years, I have worked in freight forwarding, transportation, um, home decor, and found my way into a business development position at Aeroflow Healthcare. Um, And my job was to educate uh, myself and my team, learn and trial new products, um, and try to meet the needs of patients. Um, And it was just an incredible, you know, luck and opportunity met with the Affordable Care Act coming into play and breast pumps all of a sudden being covered by insurance. This fell on my plate and it lined up with, at that time, um, I had a three-year-old, so I was not that far outside of my breastfeeding journey. And it was something that I was able to take something that I had been so passionate and committed to um, and marry it with work. So I didn't go to college to do what I'm doing. I didn't study it. I think, and it probably happens to a lot of people is these opportunities between passion and work sometimes uh, fall together and it, it becomes a career. Yeah. No fashion, huh? No fashion? No, no. I would, I mean, well, maybe not right now, but I'd like to think I carried the fashion into a beautiful, stylish website. Um, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. So hopefully some of that creativity and, um, you know, some of those pieces have been able to carry into a wonderful customer experience. Um, so maybe I'm serving mom slightly with my fashion and creativity through her breastfeeding and shopping experience, which may not um may have been a little cold and stark before she found Aeroflow. I bet, you know, in the before times when we used to get dressed and go to work, I bet you dressed really well, right? Right. Um, <laughs> I, I did try to win best dress at the office. Um, Good job. Good that was- job. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fashion education coming through. <laughs> so the reason that you and I got hooked up to talk is um, because of an article in the newspaper. Uh, And it was about a male professor at a California college who told um, one of his students, who was a mother, and she was trying to breastfeed her baby during an online lecture. And he chastised her for doing inappropriate things. And, um, you know, of course, that set off a whole lot of conversation about what is appropriate? What is normal? You know, why are we still being such weirdos about breastfeeding in 2020? And um, I thought it was a good opportunity for us to chat. Um, You know, moms are working. They're in school. They're working moms. They're at home right now. They're trying to take care of a million different things. And if you're a breastfeeding mom, you got to breastfeed your baby. It's got to, you know, it, it happens. Um, And I'm wondering, you know, let's talk a little bit about, should there be boundaries? Should there be boundaries as to 
when you should and shouldn't breastfeed visibly. What do you think? My opinion is as a mother, you, you should breastfeed to your comfort level. Um, and my comfort level could be very different than another mother out there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I advocate that mother has rights. Um, and one, I always want to start from a position of, I'm assuming that professor, his words and intent did not come as he meant. And he was not educated um, on breastfeeding, what that mother needs and, and what she should do to succeed. So I think that comes back and takes, we need to look at ourselves as employers um, and as a society and how the norm breastfeeding is normalized when we're not having these conversations. Yeah. Um, and if a mom, right, we've talked about and have seen so many memes, we don't have to put a sheet over our head to eat. Um, we do not eat on the toilet where moms in the past have had to pump um, in a bathroom and people maybe didn't understand why that wasn't acceptable. I'm not going to eat my lunch sitting in a restroom. I would never expect a mother to pump in a restroom. And if I want to breastfeed with my shirt off or if my comfort level is breastfeeding with a cover over me, um, I have that right and should be allowed to do so without a second look. Yeah, yeah. So it's different a little bit right now, especially because we're all at home. It's, you know, we're still in the pandemic. And so that mother was doing online classes in college and she was at home and she needed to, to breastfeed. You know, what should that situation have looked like? What well, do you think? What I, I believe it should look like is that mother, if she wants to sit in class with her one, I think it's, again, we shouldn't, she shouldn't have to have a conversation because I know she reached out to her professor initially, right? It was going to be a four hour class. The professor had, had um, I think, lacking engagement with the class. So it was, you will have your microphone and camera on entire class, which pushed the mom to have to kind of connect with the professor and say like, okay, well, I need to do this. I would say up to that point, she's been able to turn her camera on or off, mute her microphone and been able to feed without issue. Um, right. But it was kind of when, you know, we're pushing to all be sitting here looking at each other. Um, and this mom had this need. Um, she was Zoom nursing. She was Zoom nursing. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think it was, it's a, it's a tough conversation to have. I think. Um, what did that teacher that, say in advance? Well, and I think it, it had said, this is right. We're not, we're not going to you're going to need to you do this after class. Um, the professor has clearly never had engorged breast, nor a screaming child who needs to be fed every two and a half or three hours. Right. Um, but that again falls to em employers need to educate. Um, and, and that mom needed to have the support to do so. Um, yeah. She is, she is protected. Um, she's protected under, under laws, um, and guidelines. And I think that's where I think about that as an employer is how do we have conversations so that this mom in this case is never put into that situation to have to ask, to have to argue. Um, we need to 
educate employers, professors, managers to know that breastfeeding, nursing, pregnant um, women have rights. Um, so that it's very common. Maybe it had never happened in that class before. Um, and of course, we're living in a, in a Zoom world now. Um, it shouldn't have even been a conversation, you know. Well, let's talk a little bit about the laws and guidelines, including Title IX. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple a couple of pieces. The, the Title IX piece um, specifically speaks to schools that get federal funding. Um, cannot discriminate based on sex, and that includes pregnancy and conditions related to pregnancy, um, which is, of course, a birth event, um, breastfeeding, healing from a birth event, um, it could potentially require a, a doctor's note if you're going to be out, um, kind of like an excused absence. Um, but you cannot discriminate based on sex. Um, and so pregnancy and breastfeeding fall into that. Um, and then we fall into the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, um, where the Fair Labor Standards Act covers employee breaks um, and time to express breast milk, um, a safe and sanitary and locking room for mom to pump or breastfeed. Um, it wasn't that long ago that Title IX's actually been in place longer than the amendment for breastfeeding protection um, in the Fair Labor Standards Act. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, been what, a little more than a a decade or close to a decade where we actually had to say like, hey, employers, um, we need to provide a sanitary and locking space space other than a restroom for a mother to pump. Um, For us who are pumping mothers or, you know, women, we feel like that should just be a given. Um, That had to be written into law and employers had to be educated. Um, to start gaining this protection. We're not very far um, outside of that. We aren't. And I feel like those laws still really protect women most in kind of large corporate settings or larger, you know, small to medium businesses where you can accommodate that. But, you know, I always think back to, um, okay, what if your job is you're a waitress? You can't go to the back of the kitchen and breastfeed in the closet and then somebody else is is serving your tables and getting your tips. It's just impractical in certain settings. And yet I do feel like when situations come up like this student and professor thing, it gives us opportunities to talk about the many different ways that women's bodies have to accommodate our work environments. Um, You're lucky if you work for a place where they actually have a breastfeeding room and you can take your 20 minute breaks and go pump and there's a little fridge for you. But that's not the reality for a lot, a lot, a lot of women. So, you know, the laws and guidelines are in place, but we haven't advanced very far yet. Yes. I so agree with that point. Um, And it's putting the law into place 
And I think just enacting the law is not enough. It's we have to tell people, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have to now tell it shouldn't be. I, I really appreciate proactive approaches. Um, it shouldn't be that pregnant or nursing mother who has to bring that law to the in- attention of her employer. Um, but I think still, even now, um, a lot of times it is, especially in smaller businesses. Maybe they've not had a mother who has been pregnant or who is breastfeeding and coming back to work. Um, and imagine you've already you've had a baby, you're exhausted, your body's going through so many changes, and now you're also having to take on the challenge of um, maybe having uncomfortable conversations with leadership or management at work, trying to figure out how to navigate human resources. Um, how to advocate for yourself. Um, And it's already such a challenging time in your life. Um, It's really great when employers and managers within companies can take a proactive approach, even starting that conversation um, when they have a pregnant employee. Having policies in company handbooks, you know, I have a PTO policy. I can reference my handbook and I know exactly how many days off I get. Wouldn't it be really great if every employer had a breastfeeding and maternity policy just as visible in that handbook so that all of these questions and navigations weren't having to take place for pregnant yeah. nursing mothers? Yeah. I think it is about normalizing breastfeeding so that it's just not a conditional issue where, you know, each time it comes up, it has to be battled. We really, we got to get to the point where it's just plain normal. And, you know, it's 2021. And as I said earlier, we're still being weird about breastfeeding. And circumstances like nursing on a work call or during a class, I think that it is, I think it, it moves the needle forward to normalize breastfeeding. You know, it's just how I'm in class. Here's my lecture. I'm popping up my t-shirt, going to nurse my baby. It doesn't have to be an indiscreet thing that makes everyone uncomfortable. Um, Though, wouldn't it be great if people were just not weird about it? And that is normal. That is normal. And I think taking those chances and times to expose others, um, I hope it gives them the opportunity to educate themselves and possibly become an advocate. I think breastfeeding mothers need more advocates. They need more cheerleaders. Um, it's Breastfeeding is natural. It is not easy. Um, it's a time commitment. It's um, a lot on your body. Um, and exposing others who may have never been in a position to see or interact with a breastfeeding mother, like it gives them the opportunity to learn more and to understand, like, she, she is in a class. She's just like me. She is my coworker. This lady's just like me. Like, there's not, there's nothing different about this person. They just happen to be a superhero and feeding their baby, baby while sitting in this class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So normalizing breastfeeding, I think, is a really important, um, it's something we've got to move that needle ahead. But I also think that we need to normalize bottle feeding. And, you know, this week, 
Chrissy Teigen posted about normalizing bottle feeding, and I applaud for her for that because sometimes breast really isn't the right solution for every woman. And I wish that we would get to the point where people just quit worrying about it. I mean, I am a huge fan of breastfeeding, and you know, I'll go to the mat for women to be able to have the rights the equipment, the time, the support that they need to be able to do that. But I'm also a woman where, you know, three out of four of my kids were breastfed. One was not because I was sick and couldn't breastfeed. And there was so much stigma about that too. I mean, you know, honestly, there's just stigma being a woman. <laughs> but the way, the choices we make in how we feed our babies are in the crosshairs. Yeah. No, and I think um, my perception is that judgment comes far more from women judging other women um, mm -hmm. than anyone else. Um, I completely, I, my career is based around advocating and providing support for breastfeeding mothers. And we always talk about, we want to help mom reach her breastfeeding goals. We're not here to judge, but what I want to do is provide her with the tips, tools, and resources necessary to reach her goals. And there's a lot of moms that don't have that opportunity, but if her choice or need is to bottle feed, shouldn't we all just cheer that she has a healthy baby? Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. That's what we want to see, but we do have to have advocates for who are keeping pushing for these breastfeeding moms to have a chance to do it all. I shouldn't have to choose between career and breastfeeding. I shouldn't have to choose between school and breastfeeding, travel and breastfeeding. Um, you know, so fed is best. Healthy babies are best. I just think there's so many mothers that don't have the opportunity to give breastfeeding a try when it maybe could be um, a really great option for them, whether it be a stigma, socioeconomic disparity, disparity um, that doesn't even allow them the opportunity to breastfeed. So how do you think that our at-home environment right now, working and going to school from home, how do you think it's helping moms? I mean, imagine it is helping moms reach their breastfeeding goals because unless they're getting chastised by a teacher, they're at home with their baby. They can, they can breastfeed. It makes it easier um, than if they had to go to the office or the clinic or the restaurant or wherever it is that they work. Yes. Um, and I think there's something, well, Maybe at this point, we've all been at home too long, but there's something about being at home that I think can make it a, a less stressful environment for um, breastfeeding or pumping. Um, you know, a lot of moms may not have baby with them at home or uh, they may have the need to, to pump right now. Um, but I, I think some of the things that I've thought about is even though you're still at home, um, I think a lot of us have taken that time where we were normally in a commute or our lunch breaks, and we've now turned them into instead of eight hour workdays, we're now facing 11 hour workdays. Like yeah. some way I, I don't have a commute, but I'm definitely logging more hours. And I would say these uh, moms are doing the same. So also holding yourself to practicing your routine, having your 
breastfeeding, breast pumping supplies nearby and ready. Um, because even though you are at home and, you know, hopefully baby is there with you and you're able to put baby to breast and go, but maybe you are having to pump at home as well. I think making sure that you're still prepared for that day um, is still key because you don't want to be in between Zoom meetings and shuffling through the dishwasher trying to find your pumping parts um, and creating a stressful environment there. Um, but well, I let's think- talk about that. Let's talk about how to set up and maintain a breastfeeding or breast pumping schedule, especially if you're working. Yes. Um, I mean, from home right now. I mean, just, you know, from home. Yes. So work from home, mamas. Um, And I think something that has happened with us all working from home are those quick five or 10 minute conversations at work where, you know, you run over to your coworker's desk, you get a question answered and you're on on your way have all turned into 30 minute meetings. Yeah. Um, So it can absolutely eat up your day. Um, Not because that conversation needs to be 30 minutes. It's just these two people are trying to connect. They're going to throw a time on the calendar. And I think for a mom, moms who have the opportunity to do so. And I so recognize that, you know, we can talk in an envelope of moms who have calendars and the ability to schedule and block off time and Um, have that opportunity. I know that's not everyone. Um, But I do want to speak to moms who, if you have a calendar that you own and manage, um, own and manage your pumping schedule on there just like it's a meeting. Um, Because if not, you may look up four hours later and have stacked meetings for the rest of the day and say, oh my goodness, um, when have I taken this time to pump breastfeed? Um, and care for myself and also hold yourself accountable to drinking water, you know, keeping yourself hydrated. Um, so I think it's so important when at all possible, hold yourself accountable to that schedule by using your calendar. Yeah. It's a yeah. meeting. You are having a meeting with yourself to go feed baby or to pump. Yep. Um, I agree with you. Yeah. So kind of rounding back to the topic about needing to educate people about what's normal you know, it, it's almost always women's job to educate about what's normal, what's legal. And this is a very personal topic. Um, I think that we would make a lot more progress if men had these conversations too, but I think that most men aren't there yet. So how should women speak with their employers and, you know, their, their colleagues about breastfeeding? Um, I believe when at all possible, um, and, and this is recognizing possibly someone who has been with the employer during their pregnancy, um, I think it is never too early to start having the conversation and preparing for you're going to have maternity leave and your intent. Most one makes it most, uh, moms make the decision to breastfeed or pump uh, very early on in their pregnancy. So even if possibly they end up moving away from breastfeeding um, because it wasn't the best fit, they're still making that plan most likely to breastfeed during their pregnancy. Have a conversation with your employer as you are preparing to go out on maternity leave. Let them know your intent to come back and that you will need that space for nursing, go ahead and ask, does the company have a lactation policy? I think being able to have that conversation 
prior to leaving on your maternity leave gives mom time to process and have so much less stress than, oh my gosh, it's six, 12 weeks, even shorter time later postpartum. And she is running out of the house, newborn in the car, and then going to get to work and try to figure out what she does at her 10 a.m. pump time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think starting that conversation prior to going out on maternity leave, when at all possible, go ahead and do it. Lay that groundwork. Yeah. Yeah. Lay the groundwork and take ownership of the fact that you have rights. You're not at, you don't have to ask permission. You just have to let them know you're going to do it. Yeah. Back it up, back it up with a schedule and you know, the, the ability to quote the laws if somebody's going to be a jerk about it. But that's again, how we normalize breastfeeding is by laying it out there. Yeah. And I think it's so challenging because so many women, um, you know, I am older now. I'm not sure when I had my son, if I would have had the confidence to do that. Um, But I know there are so many women out there who are so much more confident than I was at that age and stage in my life that them going in and confidently having that conversation with their employer, even though you shouldn't have to. I mean, you know, in the picture perfect world, there is somebody in HR that says, we have a lactation policy. Here's your maternity information. This will be your pumping room when you come or come back to work. We know that's not the case. And those women who come before those less confident women like myself, they are setting the stage for us who may end our pumping journey because we don't want to say breastfeeding or pumping to an HR manager. Um, They're paving the path for women to successfully continue this journey when they go back to the office. So I think I challenge all the brave women out there who may be the first women in their office um, to have these conversations with confidence and to use your resources. Um, There's so many great websites available to kind of help lead that conversation um, and to present something to the, to an employer in not an abrasive manner. Yeah. Um, Don't assume the employer is against breastfeeding. I, I think a lot of employers have not crossed this bridge yet. Mm -hmm. Um, they they are probably they could probably be incredibly in- accommodating. It's just never been a conversation that's been had before. Um, you know, these conversations can be they can take place in a lot of different arenas. Like new dads when they come back, you know, from their paternity leave if they've had one, can talk about um, the commitment that their family is making so that mom can breastfeed. They can talk about, hey, you know, we've got a bunch of moms here. What are we doing to support them? And, um, you know, this is not a women's issue. This is not a mother's issue. This is a humanity issue. It's not our fault women are the ones who have to have all the babies and do all the breastfeeding. Give us a break, society. (laughs) That's such an excellent point because there are so many dads Um, I know my husband would have been one of those who would be so willing to go in and have those conversations and educate and advocate. Um, 
So yeah, challenging, not just the moms, but challenging the dads. You've, you've seen um, the commitment that breastfeeding is uh, pave the path for the next mothers in your workplace um, and support those around you. I just, anytime I walk by a breastfeeding mother, my heart just warms and I smile. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we don't live in a world right now where I can walk up and hug her, give her a pat on the back, but you you want to cheer her on. Um, yeah. yeah. And us, us recognizing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, what else do you want listeners to know? Well, I think... Um, Aeroflow Breast Pumps, we are incredibly passionate um, about improving health outcomes for new and expectant mothers, um, providing breastfeeding support, um, resources, and equipment, um, helping them prepare for their next step in their breastfeeding journey. Um, So aeroflowbreastpumps.com is a really great place, one, to qualify for a breast pump through insurance. Um, Under the Affordable Care Act, breast pumps are covered at 100% through women's preventative services, um, as well as providing resources for a back-to-work pumping checklist, um, comparison charts for breast pumps. Um, When I was pumping, there was, you know, really one or two breast pumps on the markets market. There's so many great breast pumps out there now. Um, you've got a lot of choices, ladies, ladies. Um, so researching all these great pumps, um, is really important as well. Yeah. It's a whole new world. It's so we're, you know, so far away from the days where women just had to hand pump or they had to use the, uh, weird plastic funnel pump, um, Yes. And yeah, when I was working as a labor and delivery nurse, we used these huge industrial pumps on wheels for patients. And then, and at that time, that was what women would rent as well if they needed a breast pump at home. And they, they look like Frankenstein machines. Now they're sleek. They have nice little purses. You can take them anywhere. They're great. I mean, these hand-free, you know, like I sat there and I was like, I'm going to pump. Here's my 20 minutes. And it was even before like you'd sit and scroll through Facebook. So I'm like, I'm going to take my People magazine and I'm going to sit back and read for a minute. Now we have all these great hands-free pumping bras, hands-free pumps. Like you can, you can take that moment and relax or you can sit and use both your hands and move around um, while you're pumping. Like, it's just amazing how far the technology has come. I used to keep a notebook where I would be like, I pumped on the right side, pumped on the left side, got this many ounces. There's pumps now that record all of this into an app. I'm like, my tiny little notebook would have gotten absolutely no action. Um, So it is, it's amazing the technology that has come out to support um, pumping mothers now. I could not manage a notebook. So I managed a safety pin. Oh, there you go. Yeah, whichever breast I finished on last, I would put the safety pin on my bra over there so that I would know, start there. And that's all I could do. It's like, you used one of these boobs. Which one? one, Yeah, if it's not going to tell you the safety pin helped you out. Yeah. We all have our tricks. It was such a glamorous time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, Jennifer... It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. I do have a few rapid fire roundup questions if you're up to it. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All righty. What role does feminism play in your life? That's a really great question. Um, I have had an incredible group of women before before me and my family. Um, so it's incredibly important. It's incredibly important because I have a son um, that I want to teach women's rights and power to. Um, and I'd like to hope I also lead a group of strong women at work um, that are able to see feminism um, in action every day. All right. How would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. No one ever told me that. No one ever told me that you need to reserve time for yourself. I think as a mother, um, it can be really challenging to do that. Um, and we love our family so much and pour in so much to those around us. Sometimes we forget to take care of ourselves, which can deplete um, who we are and what we have to give. That's a really good answer. Last question then is, where do you stand in the world of motherhood? Well, I am a, a proud mother to a 13-year-old um, boy. Um, that is That has been my motherhood journey um, and joy thus far. Um, and I, th- I, think that's, I think that's where our story ends. Yeah, yeah. And you're surrounded by motherhood in your career. You take it away from it. (laughs) And I love it so much. Um, I love this time in a woman's life. I'm so excited for her. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also look back and say, wow, if I knew what I know now, um, you would never, I would never go back. I would never change. But I know so much. I know so much more now. I'm so much wiser. Um, Luckily, my son is 13. I don't think I broke him um, too bad, but I'm so much wiser now and would probably have been a little more researched and um, prepared for the tiny human they handed to me and let me take home. Um, yeah. But it's worked out okay. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Jennifer. And uh, I bet you and I could have lots and lots of conversations about this topic in the days to come. Well, thank you so much, Jeannie. And thank, thank you for your advocating for mothers, for pregnancy, for women empowerment, um, and for us to know and understand our space and rights. Um, you are normalizing breastfeeding um, and you are empowering women every day in your life. Um, so thank you so much for what you do. Well, thank you for saying, for saying that. I appreciate it. We ladies got to stick together. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, you and I will talk again down the road. Thank you so much. Okay, that's it for this week, everybody. You can learn more about me at jeanfaulkner.com. 
Email me, Jean at Jean Faulkner. Tweet me at Jean Faulkner. Find us at Pregnancy Parenting and Politics on Facebook and Instagram. And send me your questions and come on back next week. Pregnancy Parenting and Politics is produced by Recluse Records. We'll talk again soon, everybody. Bye-bye.